Be seated physically, but spiritually continue to stand in awe of Him. Uh, this God that we are singing about is the God that, uh, that we're fixing to hear from. It's His Word that He has given us that we're fixing to read from. And it is His Spirit that is moving among us that we need to listen to uh, today. And I, I pray that you will. I tell you... Uh, uh, I, I enjoy preaching, uh, sometimes more so than others, <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, I enjoy uh, ministering to people, uh, uh, helping them through some of the, the trials and hardships of life. Uh, I enjoy uh, being with uh, families and young couples like Matt and Morgan Daniels this past week when they welcome a new baby into their, their, their family, uh, and, uh, and so uh, there are a lot of joys of ministry, but probably my greatest joy is what I got to do earlier this morning, and to, not only to to be in the baptistry with folks, but to take part in that, uh, knowing their testimony and knowing what God has done and is doing in their lives is uh, such a joy, such a joy, and uh, and I hope that you're participating in that joy personally yourself that it's not that you're running from God, it's not that you are um, uh, struggling in your relationship with God, it's not that you're rebelling against God, it's that you're walking with God and every day you're finding joy in your relationship uh, with God. And that's where the, the people in Nehemiah's uh, time, in Nehemiah chapter 12 is where we are this morning, uh, that's where they were finding themselves and we're going to be looking at not only joy and worship, which we've been talking about, um, but also the uh, response of giving. This is the response of revival. God brings revival uh, that we might give Him glory, and when we give Him glory, we find great joy, <laughs> the, a joy that's, that's uh, nothing in this world can compare to. And, uh, and so, um, I mean, there are things that I enjoy uh, in life. Uh, I, I enjoy baseball, especially when my team wins, but uh, uh, I haven't been enjoying it a whole lot this college baseball season. Uh, but uh, uh, I enjoy uh, 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 I enjoy food. Uh, I enjoy banana pudding, and I enjoy uh, uh, steaks off the grill, and I enjoy... Th and as much as I enjoy those things, and I enjoy uh, a lot of other things as well, I enjoy my family, uh, I enjoy spending time with my family. I enjoy my wife. I enjoy my grandchild. Sometimes I enjoy my children. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but all those joys that we have in life, nothing compares to the joy of when God just sets in your life and moves and blesses you. It is a joy unspeakable. And uh, like I said, that's where they find themselves in Nehemiah chapter 12. If you remember back, they finished the wall. Uh, the wall has already been finished. Matter of fact, they're dedicating the wall here in Nehemiah chapter 12. We'll get to that in just a moment. But after they finished the wall, they called Ezra and said, Ezra, that book that you found, that book of the law, that book of, of, of God's word that he had given to Moses, come read that book to us. And as he read that book, the Holy Spirit moved in and began to work in their lives, and they got to the point that they said, we're going to have 
a sacred assembly. We're going to, this is, we've been holding back from God as a nation for hundreds of years. No more. We're not holding back anymore. And they got their hearts right with God and they prayed and thanked God for his grace that he had not given up on them, that he had not uh, uh, abandoned them. And then they enter into this, this time of worship. And that's where we, we saw in Nehemiah 11 and we see it even more here in Nehemiah chapter 12. Now, at the beginning of chapter 12, there is a long, long list of names. Imagine that. Uh, uh, we have, if you've been with us in Nehemiah, we've been looking at some, some names. And so I thought today, uh, in the time that we have with you, I'd just read through every one of these names and give you the Hebrew meaning of each name, tell you who their mom and daddy is, and, and, and tell you what kind of food they like and uh, where they graduated high school from. And I, No, I don't know all that. Uh, but uh, the, there is this, this list of names. But the thing about it is, I don't know all that, but God did. He didn't know where they graduated high school because they didn't go to high school. But, but he knew everything about them. And that's why these names are mentioned. Every time you read a name, whether you can pronounce or not, understand this, God knows your name. And he knows everything about you. He knows your likes, your dislikes. He knows your successes and your failures. Uh, he knows everything about your life, and he loves you and cares for you, and you are important to him. And so we, we see that in these, these first verses. Now, these verses here, it, it does say in verse 1, uh, says these are the priests and the Levites who came up. So the list is the name of these Levites and, and stuff there. And you see why I'm not pronouncing them all because it starts off pretty tough there. Zerubbabel, I can say that. I don't know what that other guy's name is. Uh, but uh, uh, but they, they have them. And the thing about the Levites are is that the Levites, they, that was the, the priestly tribe. They were the ones that worked the temple. They were the ones that took care of the temple. And matter of fact, the, the name Levi, they're, they're from their, the, one of the 12 sons of, of Israel, 12 sons of Jacob there, uh, Levi, these are his descendants and stuff. That word Levi literally means to join to. And that's the thing about this tribe is that they had a, a unique calling in their lives and a new, unique opportunity that they were joined to God. Matter of fact, when they divided up the land, the tribe of Levi didn't get any land. And God told them, the reason you're not getting any, any, any portion of land is that I will be your portion. And, uh, and that's true of all of us. We're all priests. Uh, if you've been born again, uh, you are a priest in the kingdom of God. We're a, a kingdom of priests. We're a, 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 a company of priests here that we don't have to go through somebody else to get to, to Jesus. We, we go straight to Jesus. We, we have access to, to him, and we are joined to him. God was with them, and they were with God. They were the ones that were dedicated to God. They were the ones that were constantly giving to God. They were worshipers of God and they were givers to God. That's who the tribe of Levi was. Matter of fact, in verse 24, it says there, uh, mentions all these names again, and uh, it says, and their brothers across from them, uh, they came together to praise and to give thanks. They gave thanks. They gave praise, group alternating with group according to the command of David. 
uh, the man of God. And so they were giving praise for who God was. They were giving thanks for what God did. They were giving. And that's what worship is. As God moves in our hearts and gives us this gift of grace and the continual gifts of grace, that, that present grace that Brother David was talking about earlier, that as, as he, he works in our lives in that way, he's given us so much. Worship is giving back to him. It is giving of our hearts. It's giving of our time. It's giving of our obedience, our service. That's the act of worship. It is Singing is a way that we worship, but it's not the only way we give back to God. We give back to God with every moment of, of, of every day. That's what worship is. Worship's not about getting, although we are blessed. We've already been blessed this, this morning in the worship time. God inhabits the praises of his people, and so there is blessings, but we don't worship to get. Worship is when we give to God because he's already given so much to, uh, to us. We give everything to him. Worshipers are givers, and like what they were doing in Nehemiah, they'd gotten to the point where there was no holding back. No holding back in their worship to God. See, the problem with the children of Israel, the nation of Israel, leading up to Nehemiah's day is they haven't been given back. God had given them so much, and they weren't given back. Here, they decided, we're not doing that anymore. No holding back. We're going to give God what he's worthy of. They were standing in awe of God and giving him everything that they had. And that's what we see in this response, this response of worship that they have here in verses 27 through the end of the chapter. So we're going to look through this. And the first thing I, I want us to see as we look at their, their giving here is that worship is the giving of yourself, the giving of yourself. That's what they were doing here. See, first of all, we see the focus of their worship. In verse 27, it says, Now at the dedication of the wall, so the wall's already been built, and here they are, they're dedicating this, this wall. We're going to talk about what that means here in just a moment. But at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought out the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, both with thanksgiving and singing, with cymbals and stringed instruments and harps, and the sons of the singers gathered together from the countryside around Jerusalem from the village of the Nataf yeah, them, uh, the Nataphatites, <laughs> uh, from the house of Gilgal and from the fields of Geba, Asmabeth, for the singers had built themselves villages all around Jerusalem. So everybody is coming in to, to worship God and to worship Him. And this is more than just a celebration, though. He calls it a, a dedication. To dedicate something, it, the word here, to dedicate, it means actually to begin. It's the idea of inaugurating something, of, of initiating something uh, here. It's the idea of a fresh start. And that's what, the, as a nation and as the people of God... That's what they were doing. They recognized after reading the Word of God that they had not been doing things right. And so now they're saying, we're going to begin again. We're going to begin again. Aren't you thankful we have a God that allows us to begin again? Today may be your day to begin again. A fresh start with God. 
And that's what they were doing. They were, they were stopping this, this self-centered life, this living for themselves, focusing on what they get. They were stopping holding back and holding on to, to their lives, and they were starting afresh and anew, a full surrender God, to God, giving Him everything, giving Him every moment of every day. They were beginning again. Their focus here, there was a dedication to the wall, but their focus wasn't on the wall. The wall plays a, a part in this, and God had blessed them where they could do that, but their focus wasn't on the blessing. Their focus was on the blesser. Their focus was on God. They weren't, weren't giving thanks to the wall. They were giving thanks to God. They were thanking Him. It, it says there that they, they celebrated the dedication with gladness and with thanksgivings, thanksgivings to God for how He had blessed them. Matter of fact, in this passage, uh, six different times we're going to see thanksgiving and thanks mentioned here. There it talks about gladness there, that they were doing it with gladness. They were rejoicing in Him and how He had blessed them and taken care of them. The word for gladness and joy and rejoicing is mentioned seven times in this passage of Scripture. And then they also uh, says there that they were singing. They were singing to God. That was their expression of worship. They weren't singing some country song about tears in their ears from lying on their bed crying over you, that type of thing. They weren't focused upon them. It was focused upon God. They were worshiping God. They were exalting Him. They were lifting His name up. And in this passage of Scripture, we see worship and singing eight different times in this passage. They were putting their focus upon God giving thanks to Him, praising Him, rejoicing in Him, worshiping Him, singing to Him. He is the focus of worship. Not only that, but we see the purity of their worship. In verse 30, it says, Then the priests and Levites purified themselves and purified the people, the gates, and the walls. They first purified themselves and then the people, the gates, and the walls. A purity of worship. The idea of, of purity means to remove all the impurities. And listen, we have a, a great identity in Christ. And we, we emphasize that a lot around here of who we are in Christ, that we are children of God. We're sons and daughters of God, and nobody can ever take that away from us. We're adopted uh, into his family. We're a part of the kingdom of God. We are saints. We are set apart to God. We are, we are holy people. We're the priesthood of the believers, as we were talking about uh, earlier. We talk about our identity in Christ. But you understand this. That's who we are in Christ. But every one of us at times in our lives, we begin to add impurities our life we open up our lives to things that don't honor God and even though that's who we are we get soiled we get tainted we get dirtied up by the things of this world by the things of the flesh and so when we offer worship it is a time to purify it is a time to allow the Holy Spirit to cleanse us from all of these impurities no holding back I said all do you realize Right now, because the Holy Spirit is here, you can leave this place today completely clean. Completely clean. And that's how we ought to live. There are times when we get off track. There are times when, when we do mess up, but we can immediately go to the throne of grace and find cleansing 
and forgiveness. Matter of fact, you can find it right now. If you just need to tune out my sermon right now just to get your heart right with God, feel free to do that. Don't listen to me. Listen to the Holy Spirit and what He is telling you to do. There's a Worship is not real worship if it's not pure worship, if it's not coming from a pure heart, getting rid of all of it. If we have impurities that we know that are in our heart and in our life and we're singing songs to, to, to the Lord, we're just singing, we're not worshiping. And he deserves our worship. He deserves it all. It even says they purified the gates and the wall. And I'm not real sure. Uh, Lord and I were talking about this. Spent a lot of time on this, a lot more time than I should. Just said, how do you purify gates and wall? What does this mean and stuff of, uh, of what's going on? And, and best I can know is what they're, what they're doing is saying, it's all God. They were giving God all the praise for it. In other words, it's not their hands that did it. It's God. It's not their touch that did it. It's not their work that did it. They're giving all the praise to God for what was accomplished. God, you did every bit of it. Whatever we did, you did it through us. And you're the one that deserves all the praise. You're the one that deserves all. That's pure worship. Pure worship. Not, boy, did I sound good on that. Or, boy, wasn't that, uh, I love the way the beat of that song. Or that song. It's, it's, hey, it's all about God. Pure worship. Worship is the giving of yourself. Sacrificing ourselves and putting the focus upon Him and allowing Him to purify us. Worship is not only the giving of ourselves, but worship is the giving of joy. It's the giving of joy. He goes on here, and I, I mentioned the, the gladness and stuff that he mentioned earlier. He continues here and mentions this, this joy, this theme of joy. But first of all, he talks about the fellowship of, of joy, the fellowship of worship, which was a fellowship of joy. In verse 31, notice what goes on here. He says, so I brought the leaders of Judah up on the wall. So they all got on top of the wall, which, by the way, you remember Sam Ballard and Tobiah way back in Nehemiah? They said, you can't stand on that wall. It'll crumble. It'll crumble even if a little old butterfly lands on it and stuff like that. Now, all of Israel is standing on the wall, okay? <laughs> They're all getting up on the wall, standing on the wall. Prove them wrong, all right? The devil's a liar, by the way. Uh, uh, so he, they go on, they got up on the wall, and they appointed two large thanksgiving choirs. Wow, that, that's a great description there. And one went to the right hand on the wall toward the refuse gate. All right, who's going to the refuse gate? <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Uh, and it says, and after them went Hoshahiah and half of the leaders of Judah and Azariah, Ezra, we, we've heard of him before, Meshulam, Judah, Benjamin, Shemaiah, Jeremiah, and some of the priests, sons with the trumpet, Zechariah, the son of Jonathan, the son of Shemaiah, the son of Mataniah, the son of Micaiah, and the son of Zechor, and the son of Asaph, and his brethren, Shemaiah, Azarel, Middleli, Gilali, Maai, uh, Nethanel, Judah, and Hanani. Woo! <laughs> uh, with the musical instruments of David, the man of God, Ezra the scribe went before them. So that's that group that's going to the right. The big group of, of Israel, of the nation of Israel going on. And then it says, verse 37, by the fountain gate in front of them, uh, they went up the stairs, the city of David, on the stairway of the wall behind the house of David as far as the water gate eastward. So that's them. It says, and the other thanksgiving choir went the opposite way. They went to the left. 
And I was behind them, Nehemiah was, with half the people on the wall, going past the tower of the, of the Owens as far as the broad wall and above the gate of Ephraim and above the old gate, above the fish gate, the tower of Hananel, the tower of the hundred, as far as the sheep gate, and they stopped by the gate of the prison. Now, I'm not going to talk about all those gates, but you see what's going on here? They divided up into two huge Thanksgiving choirs. Everybody was one choir or the other, and one went... Clock, uh, counterclockwise went to the right and the other went clockwise went to the left and then they all met there at the temple to worship God all the people came together to worship God and it was beautiful and they were filled with joy they were they were organized. They said, this is the way we're going to do it. And they fought. But the thing about it was that they, they weren't just coming together to, 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 to go through an organized worship. They were coming to express their heart. They were coming to express their joy, their thanksgiving, their gladness to the Lord. There's a fellowship of worth worship and that's what we do as we come together it's not about which song we're singing or how long we're singing or who's preaching we're united together in exalting Jesus Christ and lifting him up that's that's what draws us together that's why it's important to be a part of a church a part of a, a local body of Christ as we gather together to celebrate him to worship him because what he has done in our hearts is what brings us together we have different opinions. We have different backgrounds. We have different personalities. But what Jesus has done in our hearts brings us together to worship Him and to exalt Him. There's a fellowship of worship. There's a joy of worship. As we come together, we come together joyfully. Pick up there in verse 40 where he says, So the two thanksgiving choirs stood in the house of God. Likewise, I and the half of the rulers with me, and the priests, Eliakim, Messiah, Benjamin, Micaiah, Eliniah, Zechariah, and Hananiah with trumpets. Also, Maasiah, Shemaiah, Eliezer, Uzi, yeah, there we go. Johanan, uh, Malchijah, Elam, and Ezer. And the singer sang loudly with Jezariah, the director. And also that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced. For God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and the children also rejoiced so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard afar off. They, if you see it there, they rejoiced, and God made them rejoice, and they had it with, with great joy, and, and, the, and others rejoiced. And so there, there it is. And that, that idea of rejoicing doesn't mean that they just had a smile on their face. It certainly doesn't mean that they were faking it. It is the word for rejoice means deep down in your soul cannot be contained joy. That's what they had. They had gotten their hearts right with God. They had surrendered to God, and they were just exploding with joy over what God had done and that God had blessed them, and they were exalting Him out of this overflow of joy. That, and when it's, it comes down deep, in your, it affects everything. It affects your face. It affects your smile. It affects your eyes. Matter of fact, the Bible talks about a joy in their eyes, not here, but in other passages of Scripture that you can see 
see those who are enjoying being saved, enjoying knowing Christ. Nothing they did in their worship was half-hearted. They didn't hold anything back in their worship to God. I love what it says there in verse 43 where it says, For God had made them rejoice. That doesn't mean that God put their hand behind the back and said, You're going to be happy. No, that's not what God did uh, at all to them. It means that, that what God had done in God's presence as God showed up in their worship, they just had to rejoice. They couldn't hold it back as they re- looked at the blessings, how God had, had blessed them in, in so many ways. They could not hold it back as they worshiped Him, as they thanked Him, as they praised Him. God made them rejoice. You're having problems with joy, reflect on God. It'll make you, he'll make you rejoice. And then there was also the witness of worship. Did you catch that? In verse 42, it says, at the end, it says, the singers sang loudly. And then at the end of verse 43, it says, so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard afar off. How far off? Well, however many 2,500 years later off because we're talking about it today. That's how far off. There is a witness to our worship. God's people are united together worshiping God in genuine, personal, passionate, loud, extravagant worship. The world takes notice when it's real. When it's real, people notice. How can you say you love God and not not show it? Not show it. I I, I don't remember who said this. I, I I wrote it down, but I was reading this week. It said, if if we want people to believe in our Redeemer, we need to look like and act like we've been redeemed. We've been set free. There's a witness to our worship. So worship is giving of yourself and giving of joy. But worship is also giving to the Lord. Worship is, is a responsibility. It is an obligation. And, and, and there is a sacrifice to worship. But it's also a joyful privilege to give to the Lord. How do they give? Well, first of all, there's an obedience of worship. They gave by obeying God. And verse 44 says that the same Time, some were appointed over the rooms of the storehouse for the offerings, the first fruits, and the tithes to gather into them from the fields of the cities the portion specified by the law for the priests and Levites. For Judah rejoiced over the priests and Levites who ministered. Both the singers and the gatekeepers kept the charge of their God and the charge of the purification according to the command of David and Solomon his own. They were doing what the Word of God said according to his command. If you love God, you're going to do what he says. That's a scriptural principle. That's just a a common sense principle as well. If God has blessed us and we love him, then we're going to obey him. We're going to, to follow him. And that's why we need to be in the word of God to know. That's why every day we need to open up the word of God, study the word of God in our engaged Bible readings, follow Underwood on the, uh, on on social media, uh, on Facebook, on Twitter, on, on Instagram. And you'll see those every week and say, this is what we're reading each day this week. And, 
And so follow along with us or follow your own Bible plan. Just get in the Word and then let the Word get into you. Do what it says. They gave of their first fruits because they, they saw in the Word of God how gracious, how loving, how, how awesome He was. And they and instead of just standing, they stood in awe, but they said, we're going to give you the very best of what we have. We're giving it unto you. They gave their tithes, and, and tithes is that proportionate giving where we give as God has blessed us. Of course, a tithe literally means a tenth, but, but God deserves even more than a tenth. Matter of fact, it's all His. And so as He has blessed us, we give back to Him and, and in service to Him and, and to be used for in His ministry. It's not a duty. It's a de- it comes out of a heart of a de- devotion. There's the obedience of worship. And then there's the ministry of worship. Catch this in verse 46. It says, For in the days of David and Asaph of old, there were chiefs of the singers and songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. And in the days of Zerubbabel, in the days of Nehemiah, all Israel gave the portions for the singers and the gatekeepers a portion for each day. And they also consecrated holy things for the Levites. And the Levites consecrated them for the children of Aaron. You see all the fours there? They were giving, but it was used for others. It was used in ministry to others. In other words, we talked about the Levites were those that were uh, devoted to God, that were, were um, uh, 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 joined to God. And so they, the Levites there, they were giving to them. They were giving to them to do ministry. They were, they were giving out to them. And so they were giving to the givers is what they were doing. And that's one of the reasons why I'm Southern Baptist is because of the awesome mission force that we have out there in the world around us. And we've partnered with so many of them. We've got Jordan and Hannah in Alaska. We got, uh, 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 we've got... Um, now I'm drawing blanks and stuff. Scott and Rachel there in Germany. Uh, we've got uh, Josh and Mallory in, in, in Memphis. We've got uh, Jared and Candace over in, in East Asia. And, and uh, there's, there's so many that we don't know all their names and stuff, but that are serving Africa, Europe, and other places. And we give to the givers. <laughs> they're giving of their lives. They're they're picking up their families, going to these other places to share the gospel, to minister to people, to disciple new believers. And so we're, we're giving to the givers. And that's the way it ought to be. Those that have given themselves to the Lord, we ought to support them and support them in our prayers and, and in our giving because it's a ministry of worship, a ministry of giving. And then there's the focus of worship. You say, well, that sounds familiar. Well, back in A, uh, our under Roman numeral 1a, there was a focus of worship as well. And now we're coming back to it. We talked about the dedication back in verse 27. But now we see in verse 47, we see a consecration where it says they also consecrated the holy things for the Levite, and the Levites consecrated them for the children of Aaron. The word consecrate means to, to cut, to set apart. And basically all we talked about purity cutting out all those things that do not honor God, that are not holy unto God. We need to do that. But really the idea of consecrating is that we cut out everything in our lives and give it to God. Give everything that we are to Him. Strip everything away that is not of Him because He's the focus. And give everything we have to Him to be used for His glory.
That's what it means to consecrate. So back to what we started out to begin with. The opportunity is here today to begin again. To give God the worship that He deserves and that He is worthy of. And yes, there are times when we stand in awe of Him and worship and adoration, but we don't stay there. We give. We give. We give of ourselves. We give of everything we have to be used for His glory. That's what He deserves.